Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. So most women that slide in my DMs or just being not even sliding in my DMs, they just send me a, a compliment, you know, hey, sorry or support, you know, sorry for what happened. You're a great guy. I can't wait to meet my Gill. And I get that a lot. Can't wait to meet my Gill. Wish it was a Gill in this state. Wish they had Gills here. And all the time I tell them, I guarantee you, you already met them. You just curved them. Because I've been curved so many times. I am on a journey to discover, uncover, and recover love. Life is about helping others. Dear future wifey has been doing exactly that. You stated that women are to present and not to pursue. It has given us a, a roadmap on how relationships were meant to be by God. There are still black men who love the Lord and their end goal is marriage. Thank you for teaching me how to stay lit, how to be intentional and transparent. You read your, your letter, I cried. I just got married two months ago and I'm listening to the podcast on the marriage. I'm Lateris R. Whitfield and this is season four, These Dating Streets on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. I'm your host, Lateris R. Whitfield. Hey, before we get started, are you still shacking up with us? Oh, come on, y'all. This is the fourth season. If you're still shacking up with us, why don't you hit that subscription button and subscribe? Man, I hear a lot of people thinking that they already have subscribed last year or even the last couple of months, and then they've come to the realization that they haven't quite subscribed yet. So go ahead and check your notifications. Make sure you turn it on so you'll be notified about upcoming episodes. Whew, let me tell you. Yeah, we're about to go a little deep today. So excited to have today's guest on the podcast. Um, I know a lot of you women already know who he is. If you are a fan of Married at First Sight, a.k.a. Maths, then you know who this brother is. And we'll get in, you know, further in detail why I chose him to be on the podcast today, because I automatically connected with this brother, uh, even at the first episode. And so without further ado, Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. My new homie, Gil Cuero. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, Gil, 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 Gil. Talk to me. Man, let me tell you something. It's, just, it's, it's something that resonates 
with me about you. First of all, you're extremely transparent and you're 100% authentic. Am I reading you right? I try to be as much as I can. So I'm yes. trying to make sure it's not a representative that I'm feeling and I'm being led. No, no. I try to be as transparent as I can be with everyone. So just so you can know where I'm coming from, no hidden agendas and just what you see is what you get. And I feel that. Now, um, it's interesting. Now, I always say that the guests that I have on my podcast, I've never revealed why everybody has been hand chosen to be on this podcast. Uh, what you may not know is that my podcast is my personal journey as I discover, uncover, and recover love. And in that, I launched this back in April. And so uh, I choose people that speak to my past or my present or my future. And I try to glean information from them that uh, speaks to the connectivity of my love journey. Okay. So with you, Gil, now, you know, I didn't choose this date. Um, between you and your publicist, y'all said, hey, can you do December the 12th? Well, December the 12th is a very pivotal moment in my life. Uh, and that's why it's interesting. I'm going I'm to I'm be very transparent. Like I said, I've never shared with people why I chose each person, but I'll let people in about why I chose you. Okay. So December the 12th of 2015, I was in this situationship with this woman. Uh, that's the, the pain that I went through from that situationship is what birthed this podcast. Uh, but on December the 12th was the date that I was supposed to leave her alone at the very beginning of our dealings. It was on December the 12th. And I told her, and I said, listen, um, a few months prior, I said, I asked her this question about this particular dude. And I said, if I ever find out that you lied about him, then trust will be violated. And I don't believe I can recover from that moment. And um, I found out that she had lied on December the 12th. And my best friend told me what happened uh, after a conversation he had with a mutual friend. And he ended up telling me, unbeknownst to him, that I was even dating the girl at the time mm. uh, because I was still going through divorce. So I didn't want to tell people I'm out here dating while I'm going through divorce. Uh, but I was like, I found that out on December the 12th. And three years later, I ended up staying in that toxic situation and that thing almost destroyed me. So it goes back to December the 12th. And I was 36 years old at the time. That was six years ago. How old are you, Gil? I'm 36. So I get the opportunity to talk to my <laughs> past self. And um, so it's going to be a, a quite an emotional episode because as I began to, I was laying in the bed last night and I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to him tomorrow. I feel like I'm going to talk to my past self. And I was like, hold on. And God said, go look at December the 12th. Last year, December the 12th, I um, made a post and I took my daughter because when my daughter came into town from school, now here she is, she's seeing me go through this divorce. I had a new home at the time. And so she see this new home I'm at and she hears me in this unfamiliar voice arguing in the back room about this new information I found out on December the 12th. And that's the first time I wasn't even, the first time I wasn't available 
to my daughter emotionally. And she was on an episode previously where we, we, where we discussed that. And so what I try to do is I do do over. So days that are very traumatic for me, I'll do a do over and try to bring happiness and joy out of it. So last year I took her uh, out to eat and I presented her with this Tiffany T smile necklace. And I said, as your father it's my job to always keep a smile on your face. And I apologize for not being present for you uh, on December the 12th of 2015. So Gil, no, I threw a whole lot on you just now, but I believe that God is going to do something powerfully in this episode. Uh, and this episode is going to be called Heal First. I saw you on the live and on your live, you talked about um, not getting into these dating streets just yet because you want to do what? Heal first. Why is healing so important for you? Um, I guess short answer is because... I haven't done it in the past. And so it just leads to the same results. So this time I want to learn from my past and I want to do it in the opposite way, which I believe is the right way. So I won't fall into those same patterns. So I decided I'm going to heal first. Let's unpack that. We, we, a lot of men were told in order to get over one woman, get under another. Have you ever heard that? Yes, plenty of times. And have you participated in that toxic uh, behavior I have. in the past? The younger, younger me has, definitely has. And so that's what, that's what I wanted to avoid. That's my, that was my biggest fear, um, to revert back to that. Right. And so when you saw that, when you've done that in the past, what, what, did, you, what did you reap from that? What did you, when, you, when you talk to your younger self, what did you see in that toxic masculinity? Um... I guess I had I had joy, but I wasn't happy. That's good. And so, and I understand happy is an emotion; it comes and goes. But I wasn't happy with myself. I was just joyful for the moment because of the experience. But it's not something that I wanted long term. And so, because you know, fast forward 10, 12 years now, um, the present me wants something better for my future. Wants something stable. Wants a monogamous relationship. Um, I can't let myself revert back to that because I'll just be in that same in that same space that that leads me nowhere. So, Gil, who were you like before the world was introduced to you on Married at First Sight? See, I've been a fan of the show since the very first season. And so before the world was introduced to you, what was your dating life like? Um, I'm I was a, I, I'm not going to say I struggled dating. Uh, I dated. I, would, I did quite well dating. My my issue was just finding somebody permanent. So I've had people dump me. You know, I've had people where I just knew it just wouldn't work. You know, I get this question asked a lot, like, why were you on maps? Like, why is it hard for you to find somebody? Right. And I can honestly tell you that if I was dating more, maybe 90% of my exes today, I would stay with them because I'm not the same person I was when I was dating them. Hmm. Um, I learned from a lot of those mistakes. I wasn't as open as I am now. You know, I wasn't as transparent and willing to communicate as well. And I wasn't in touch with my emotional intelligence, I guess you could say, yes. as I am now. So I've learned a lot from my past self. And now I'm willing to talk about it, have those tough conversations. But, you know, without the escalating, you know, just talk like adults, like me and you talking. Yeah. You know, yeah. and just explain myself. So I think because of that... Um, because I wasn't that, that person in the past, that's why dating hasn't really worked for me. 
So how would you handle in the past? Somebody, uh, an occurrence, a problem pops up, how would you handle it? Um, we would discuss it, um, but it would be a very short discussion where I say my piece, I let them say their piece, and then it's I'm done with it. You're done with it, but you're still not done with it in terms Correct. I'll just sweep it under the rug and then just kind of like ignore it until it goes away and then continue on with my life. But so I never really tackled it head on. I kind of like just skimmed through it and then never, never had a result. We never resulted. There was no, no, no resolution to the conflict. And we just kept adding and piling and piling and piling. Compounded trauma. That's all it was. Compounded trauma. And then it blows up. And then you feel like y'all were never supposed to be together to begin with. You go your way and you go and repeat the cycle with the next person. Exactly. So it's, that's what I want to avoid. I want to nip it in the bud. I know that um, obviously it takes two to tango. They have their issues. I have mine. That's the biggest thing. You got to accept that, you know, nobody's perfect. Yes. And we all play a part in this. And so I look back on my past relationships and tell myself, okay, what did I do wrong? Even if I felt like I did everything right, what could I, if I did it another way? Right. Would the outcome be a little better? Even if it changed it just a minute Sometimes that can make a huge difference. Yeah. And so it's things like that that I think about. And so that's why when I went into maths, I went in with that mindset. I went into the mindset that I would um, do everything possible to be what I envision to be the perfect or the right husband for my wife. So um, I just went into Married at First Sight with, with that thought, just you know, thinking about the right things to do. Well, you showed up. You showed up in a way that made people go, how can you be that invested in somebody that soon? How would you answer that? Yeah, I get that question asked a lot. Um, because I took the process serious. The, my number one thing, when people ask me that, the number one thing I tell them is marriage for me is very important. You know, I went into this not thinking I'm dating this person. Yes. I got married to this person. I wrote vows to this person. Even though I didn't know who this person was, I wrote these vows like I've known her for years. That's good. Because I wanted her to know that I, the one one statement I said a lot in my vows is that I am worth it. And I wanted her to know that I am worth it. And I was going to do everything and my capabilities to make our relationship work. You know, not just to make her happy, but to make us happy. You know, make us work. You know, they say, um, happy life, happy wife, or yeah. I forgot. Yeah. And yeah. so, and then I was told, somebody else told me it's happy spouse or happy house, happy, happy spouse. spouse. I like happy that spouse, one. Happy happy house. Yeah. yeah. I like that one a little better because yeah. we should both be happy in this. 100%. We should, we should, it's, um, it's a mutual thing. 100%. Right. So when I came into it, when I went into it, it was, I'm going to take, I'm take, I'm treat this as serious as I can, because for me, marriage is sacred. I'm not going to get married to just anybody. I know I did the show and it seems like I got married to just anybody, but I took it seriously. For me, it was it was tell. till death do us part. Yeah. And that's how I went into it. And what I loved about your intentionality on the show is that it it wasn't fake. It wasn't something that you were just doing just for attention that you were a man that were that was so intentional about this. For instance, one thing that's very um, triggering for men is the lack of intimacy or physical intimacy from their, their wife. And I watched you handle that with such grace, with such patience, with such care. Why was that? Um, I looked at it as, because I knew this was a very short experiment, but the overall process, the overall goal was to be, make it a forever 
Um, so I looked at it as as such as okay, she doesn't, she's not giving me an affection. She doesn't want to kiss me, um, but it should come. In my mind, I always thought it's going to come. It's going to come. And if it doesn't happen in a week or in a month or in two months, when it does happen, those month or two that it didn't happen wouldn't even matter anymore. So I just stayed patient. The fact that she was communicating with me, the fact that we were still interacting, um, I felt like she was still involved. So I was like, all right, let's just be a little patient. You know how hard that is for men? Because we sense that as rejection. Oh, absolutely. Because the number one, quote unquote, need for a man from a marriage, you know, we say respect and whatnot, but physical intimacy. And so for you to start off your marriage, and of course, sometimes it may seem a little unreal, uh, unrealistic for you just to meet somebody and you jump in the bed with them or whatnot, but you are married. And so in that sacredness, you are permitted to have sex. And for you to be rejected a lot during that, it was like very triggering to me. I was like, God, he's just getting rejected. Dang, he's such a nice guy. He's catering to her heart. He's catering to her feelings. He ain't like he's just trying to jump her bones. He's 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 like been very sweet towards her. And then bang, rejection. How did you process that though? I know you said I have a lifetime to deal with this woman, but how did you process that internally as a man? Um, I thought about her. I thought about her feelings. That's so good. my thing is, I, yes, I felt a certain way, but then I thought, well, how does she feel? Good. So my thing was, she's obviously not comfortable. So I need to make her comfortable. So patience included that comfort, right? And so I did everything in my capabilities to make her comfort comfortable. And so patience went with that. And not yes. only being patient, but letting her know that, even though this is how you feel, this is not how I feel, and I still want to be with you. So it wasn't because it could have went sour real quick. Real if I, I would have just fed off of that and be like, all right, well, forget it. You know what? <laughs> you don't want to kiss me? Then forget you then. All right, that's I go cool. kiss somebody else. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And so then that just would have been, that would have went south real quick, and then it wouldn't have went the way we wanted it to go. Yeah. Or I wanted to go, I should say. And so I just had to be patient, but... The biggest thing was think about how she feels about this, you know, because we are strangers. And I and I took that into a part. And even if we are married, I do feel like, you know, why not? Uh, what's a kiss? Right. But you can't just because I think it's not a big deal. I can't assume she doesn't think that. Yes. And so I thought about her. Have you always been like that? No, <laughs> absolutely not. That That's recent. That's like. I Did you become that for the show? Well, did the show introduce you to a new level of you where you, you started operating in the sense of... Yes, I will say that. The show um, allowed me to test my theory. Mm. And that's where I was like, this is where this is where I have the chance to do it. Because it's funny because I had just got out of a... It wasn't a long relationship. I had just got out of a short-term relationship with somebody. And I was testing my theory with her. But... That didn't work too well because she just was very insecure about a lot of things. And so it didn't allow me to really kind of like cater to her like I wanted to because it was more like me trying to build her up. Mm. And that's just a lot. Yes. A lot. And I don't mind it. But when you're like when I'm trying to build you, but you keep fighting me. Yes. It's like it's it's just so much I can do. Yeah. It's like trying to save somebody that's drowning and they're fighting you. And now y'all. And both now drowning. exactly. Yeah, so I couldn't now. do it then and there. But this being at Married at, um, Married at First Sight, being that, you know, everybody you, you I mean, you 
guests that everybody that goes on the show is willing to want to stay married and want to be married. Um, it allowed me to test my theory out of, okay, let's, let's work on this communication. Let's work on thinking about their feelings, taking it into a part, into a part and, um, and going from there and see how it goes. And I mean, it worked out. I felt like it worked out well. And, you know, I had the, I had great subject in my wife to make it work because she, she was, she, she, she had tested everything it. you needed <laughs> to test your theory and create your she hypothesis. Was the perfect, a whole perfect, science fair experiment. Yeah, for that. So, um, so yeah, I think I feel like uh, the show definitely helped me uh, kind of test that out. Was there any point where you wanted to just give up and abandon your theory? Mm. No. You was committed. Yeah, I was committed because it wasn't. I, it was two months. It was no way I could give up. I mean, if I can't make it in two months, then I shouldn't be, get married at all. So it was. It was too short of a time for me to be like, I'm. I'm just gonna quit because I. I know marriages has their ups and downs. It's life. I mean, I've been in long long term relationships and it has its ups and downs. So I can't expect it to be just great from the start. Even though it should be right, it shouldn't be a struggle in the beginning. But the circumstances are a little different, and so you gotta you gotta keep that in mind. And so, um, yeah, I had no quit in me, zero quit. So when you when you talk to people and they say, "What made you go on the show?" Because here you are, uh, you didn't just start becoming handsome after the show. That women. That, well, let me ask you this: Were you the type of guy that never had a problem getting women before the show? I wouldn't say never, but because I had problems like I would say like early twenties, but like mid twenties and on, I, I did okay. You did okay. I would say yes. You, you never had a problem. I, no, come I, on, we're okay. gonna, we gonna call it like I didn't have, okay, we'll call yes. spade a spade. I didn't have a problem. You wasn't running around talking. About, I went, woe is me. I ain't had a date in six months. I'm not getting no, a no, 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 no. I didn't have a problem getting a date. Nah, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> and so, and so, you come on the show that um, is direct. Okay, this is interesting. Have you ever been close to being married before the show? Engaged? No, I wasn't engaged. Um, I actually broke it off with one of my exes because I decided I couldn't marry her. When I thought, you know, we, we were living together, we were uh, together for a while, and, you know, next step, obviously, I don't want to be... I don't want to be dating somebody for five years. So yeah. I was ready to, you know, all right, let's, where's the next step? So when I thought about it and I decided, no, I don't see myself marrying her or, you know, just asking her for her hand. Um, I, I, I told her, I let her know. You that was, her. that was the first time. I think that was the very first time I've actually opened up to somebody That's good. and let them know that, Hey, it's not, this isn't going to work because I just don't see myself being with you long term. Proud I mean, of it's proud of you. It's it's a tough conversation to have, but it's one of those things where you just kind of like got to rip that band-aid off and let them know like if I stay with you, it's not going to be good. That's good. And I'm I'm going to be I'm going to make some huge mistakes and I'm gonna, I'm going to hurt both of us. Yes. And so um I let her know and so that's the closest I've been, but I've never been engaged. How many years ago was that? That was what were we in 21. That was about 5 6 years ago. Good. That's good. So that's the first that was the foundation of your emotional intelligence to say, listen, we are living together. The next step, quote unquote, is marriage. I've been talking about this marriage thing, but I can see that you're not someone that I want to continue doing life with. Correct. And you had that conversation with her. And I had that conversation. So her best bet was to be on Married at First Sight and she could have got you that way. 
I mean, yeah. If she would have popped up around that corner, that would have been very interesting. She's like, gotcha. Yeah. Here we go now. So so uh, the interesting thing about it all is that um, I'm watching your journey unfold. And when you when you see a man, because the first thing, like you said, people see you on the show and they go, what is he doing on this show? And um, I know that he's had to leave some uh, some bodies in the past, some some women <laughs> in this past that wanted this marriage, that wanted to be married to him. Why didn't he choose them? Why would he choose a total stranger to do life with? Yeah, that's a valid point. Um, I screwed up. You know, we can't get. I mean, without you can't have success without failure. There it is. So I failed a tons, and I admit to it. And you know, and I'm still cool with a lot of my exes. Good. And we and I've even talked to them before about you know, hey, what negative qualities did I have when we were together? You know, what did I do wrong? Because we we were cordial and we talk and we have no animosity. So they're like. Yeah, I'll tell you it's this, this, and that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, thank you. And I take it like that. I don't, I don't, I don't gripe about it. I don't no, but are you sure that no? I'm I, this is what's her this That's is her what experience. she perceived. So I'm gonna take it for what it's worth and go from there. And grow from there. And grow from there. Exactly. That's good. And grow from there. That's that's that's, that's powerful. Um, so you did the show, got hit um a week after decision day, and your wife said what to you? She, I asked her um, that if she wanted to stay, if she still wanted to be married with me, and she said no. And what so, made you ask that question? So, all right, quick little story here. So, um, May first, we move in. Um, my birthday is May fifth, right? So we go out. I have a friend. She throws me a little uh, dinner, dinner, birthday dinner. We go out. Everything's good. Uh, my wife flies out of town that same day for work. Two days later, she comes back. We go out to eat sushi because we do that on Fridays. Um, we have a little conversation. That conversation was has had its ups and downs because we was talking about some finance stuff that she didn't agree with. And I was like, but it's not a big deal because, well, basically, so what happened, we'll get into that real quick. What happened was when we were applying for the uh, apartment, she she was doing all the paperwork, all the stuff. I gave her all my information, this, that, and the other. So we had to pay the deposit and whatnot. I told her, go ahead, pay for it. I'll just Venmo you the money. Yeah. And she was like, okay, cool. Well, come to find out, she wasn't cool with that. But she didn't tell me right then and there. Mm -hmm. She told me later. And so... When we had the conversation, but I've been wrote her money. She got the money and everything, you know? And so I was like, so the conversation went, well, you're my wife. I don't see why that's an issue. I'm not telling you to pay for me, just pay and I'll give you the money right back. Right. You know? And I mean, it's, yeah, I get it that you make your money. I make my money, but that mindset has to change a little bit now that we're married. So that's where the, like the little back and forth went there. But um, so that 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 kind of died off and it was and I thought it was whatever. It was smooth because there was no more talk about it. And she know how she knows how I am. If, if there's a problem, just please tell me and we'll try to uh, address it, then. address it and then come with up with a solution. So um, weekend comes. I work that Saturday. So Sunday, I'm supposed to have some people over. This is May 9th, by the way. Right. Moved in yeah. May 1st, May 9th. Sunday, I was supposed to have some people over, but I decided, you know what? I'm tired. I just worked a 24-hour shift the day before. 
I just want to chill. I was like, I just want to lay in bed with you and just chill. Can we just, you know, cuddle or whatnot? And she was like, cool. Well, come to find out, she was throwing, she had already plans to throw me a surprise birthday party. Mm. So she came back with a cake and I'm like, what's this about? And she was like, no, I just got you a cake. And I was like, okay, cool. And then like two hours later, like all these people showed up. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what's up. So had a little, went to the little uh, business uh, center of the apartments, you know, uh, had some friends over. Cut the cake, had a good, t- it was it was good. It was a great little time. Great little surprise. Yeah, it was a good little surprise. Loved it. You know, she gave me a nice little card, a little thoughtful card she wrote out. And so then we go back to the apartment. A few people come back, help us bring some stuff up. And then that's it. You know, everybody goes their way. We say goodnight to each other. We go to bed. Yeah. Everything is copacetic. Everything's smooth from what I can tell this is my perception yeah, right yeah I, all i can tell you is my side so um go to sleep wake up the next day because i gotta go to work i go to work i get to work between 5 30 and 6 in the morning so i get up around 4 30 and the first thing so as soon as i get out of bed i just have this gut like something's not right right you, we know when yeah, something's know. not right right oh we know and the reason why i say that is because every morning when i wake up the first thing she does is as I walk out, as I get out of bed, she pulls me back into the bed. Yeah. Well, she didn't do that this morning, that morning. And so I was like, okay, mm-hmm. something, something ain't right here. Yeah, I like, switching up those habits. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I pause for a second and then I just look at her. She's knocked out. And so I'm like, let me go in for a kiss. If she doesn't kiss me. Then it's definitely a problem. Right. Mm-hmm. I go in for a kiss. She kisses me. I'm like, okay, we're good. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So get ready. Uh, get to work and then so I worked my my 24 hour shift or whatnot. I talked to her here and there but because she, she's busy so I kind of leave her alone throughout the day um, but I also didn't hear from her a lot which is rare because she usually blows my phone up while I'm at work and so um, around 7 or 8 I hit her up I'm like hey some I don't know if I don't know what's going on but something's up my gut's telling me something's up I don't know she's like well yeah something is up and I was like okay well, let's talk about it. She's like, well, I don't. I would rather talk about it in person. And I'm like, you, you're absolutely right. I would love for us to talk about it in person. But the problem is, you know, I don't get off of work till 6 in the morning tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And I, there's no way I'm going to be able to go to sleep tonight not knowing what's up. Just give me an idea. Yeah. Just give me something. And she's like, no, it's just I don't know. I've just been thinking. And I'm like, what are you talking? Like, you're talking in circles. Can you just... Please. And, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to make it real easy. Let's, let's get this out the way. Do you want to be with me? Yes or no? Wow. You just went straight there with it. Straight there with it. Because it's just something was telling me something was right. And so she said, no. She, she paused and said no. And so then I paused. And Did you rephrase the question? Like, uh, I'm saying, did you... Uh, did you hear what I said? No, I, I was just, just kind of... I was in shock. And so I, was, I just paused and I was just like... Took a deep breath, and then she said, so what do you want to do now? And so I was like, I'll figure it out when I get home tomorrow. And then I just hung up. And so the next day comes, I get, I leave work, um, I meet her at the apartment, and I was like, all right, so we're going to talk about this? And so we talked about it, went back and forth, but it, it, it truly just didn't go anywhere. It was just a lot of... I didn't get a concrete answer. It was just a lot of this, that, the other, this, that, and the other. I mean, she she said it at the reunion. Um, everything she said at the reunion is pretty much what she's told what me. She told you. Yeah, she didn't give me anything like concrete. And so I just went with it. I stayed there for about 
a month because I didn't move out till a month later because we was going back and forth with it. We decided to go to counseling. We did a one counseling session together. She was she said she was perfectly fine with living with me. She just didn't want to be with me. She's like, it's not that I hate you or anything. I was like, I just don't think it's gonna work out. And so she wanted to be roommates. Pretty much. And so I was okay with it, but mainly because I still obviously in love with the yeah, girl. It's yeah. My you're wife. Trying, trying to I still want to be there. I'm still trying to do whatever I can. So obviously I'm not gonna leave. I'm just right. not gonna call it quits like that. But um, after a while, I just realized that it just wasn't. It, I was. It, I was making myself worse. It was just very toxic for me personally. It was just like, it was just making me worse. I was just feeling worse every day, every day. Yeah. And so, I was like, for me to, if I'm gonna ever get better, I gotta, I gotta just remove myself as quickly as possible. So. She decided to move. She was like, hey, I think I'm going to just go get a, uh, another spot. You can stay in this apartment. And I told her, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to get a spot this weekend. You can stay here. I can't. There's no way I'm staying in this apartment. So she stayed in the apartment. I got a spot like literally two days later, moved out three days later. And that was that. And yeah, moved. Yeah, sold all your stuff prior to. Yes. So obviously, before decision day, um, decision day isn't a surprise. We know it's coming. Right. So it's something that we kind of talk about before it happens. And we decided on that we were going to stay together. So um, being that we 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 talked about our stuff, how we was going to uh, manage it, and so the place that we start we decided to go to the living room is a little bigger than my current living room that I had in my uh, old apartment. So I decided, and her couch is bigger than mine. So I decided, well, let's just get rid of my couch. Even though my couch was newer, because yeah. I just bought it like a year, it was just smaller. So it just didn't make sense in that new apartment. So I was like, let's just sell mine. And then we didn't need a second bed. So I sold my bed. Um, I didn't need anything in my bedroom. So we sold that. So I sold that. Restroom stuff, donated that stuff. Like, I didn't need any of that stuff because right. we were going to start fresh anyways. The only thing we kept from her was her couch and her bed. And then everything else, I just kept, like I said, my blender, <laughs> my clothes, and my dog stuff. You know, that's all I kept because I literally just kept that. Yeah. Um, and I had some stuff in storage. I got rid of that. I either donated it or I sold. Um, oh, I kept some kitchen stuff because I had some brand new kitchen silverware. And, yeah, we kept some of that. Um, and that was, yeah. So I sold everything and I told her she was in up. she was with, with me in the process of selling everything. I would ask her, Hey, how much do you think I should sell this for? How much do you think I should sell this for? And she, you know, she would say, yeah. tell me and we go back and forth. So, you know, if you're doing all that, I'm thinking everything gravy, yeah, we you know? And so, I mean, I think that's what hit me the hardest was, was just that, how that kind of developed because if she truly felt the way she said she felt, you know, she said she wasn't attracted to me since the beginning and I don't harper for that. That's fine. Um, because you know, you can't make somebody feel a certain way about you. Right. Just be honest with me. Yes. You know, you, 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 you could have said no at decision day or you could, okay, let's say you say yes. at decision. You really did feel like you wanted to stay. Um, let's not have me sell my stuff. Yeah. Let's not move in together. Be yes. like, Hey, you know what? I, I, I want this to happen, but I'm just not sure. Let's yeah. just stay because I still had my apartment at that point. And so I just, you know, I, Cut my lease. I just didn't renew my lease thinking that, you know, we was going to be good. And so I could have just stayed in my apartment. She could have stayed in hers and we could have kind of like worked things through. But it didn't work that way. And so it just it's just the way it ended was just it didn't have to be that way. Right. Even if she didn't. I mean, yes, I'm 
a bit obviously totally upset that it it ended, but if it was going to end, we could have ended it in better terms. And you felt like y'all had enough of a foundation built in your relationship where y'all had mutual respect for one another that she should be able to uh, to tell you that instead of leading you down that path? Absolutely, because we had conversations on the show where, you know, we we got, we talked about our future and, like, like legitimate goals that we had, not just these, these fantasy goals. We, we, we set financial goals. We set um, if we was going to have kids, when. Oh, really? And all of that. We talked about all this stuff. You know, we, we set a one- to two-year uh, time limit on the kid is just dependent on if we had this amount of money saved mm. and things of that nature. So we had conversations for the future for sure. We had legit conversations about the future. So when we have conversations about that and, you know, I asked her a few things about, you know, our relationships, you know, I asked her, you know, do you, you know, one of the questions, and I said this on my live that I, there's a few questions I always ask the girls that I'm very intimate with. And if I feel like I'm going to be really be with them, I won't reveal all of them. But one of the questions I always ask them is, um, do you feel like I can make you happy for the rest of your life? Mm. That's like that's one a, of my. That's a powerful question. That's a very powerful question. That's sure. like one of my. I have three questions. You that's one like of them. I can make you happy for the rest of your life. That's and so good. and I and I say and I say it when we're like just not happy go lucky, not sad, just in a normal time because i don't want them i don't want emotions yes to deter you know yeah. to determine that answer and so when i asked her that you know no hesitation she said absolutely and i was like all right you sure she's like yeah i feel very safe with you and i feel like you can make See me that happy. word right there when you say that when a woman says or anybody says they feel safe with a human being that's the that's the biggest honor anyone could ever say absolutely so like that question alone, and there was another question I also asked, and that question alone just made me think, okay. We good. We yeah, solid. Exactly, exactly. So I was already in the marriage, but that just made me just completely just fall into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, I was head first. Skydive. That's like, it. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. get, I, I would have dove. If it was two feet, I would have dove in <laughs> head first, not knowing it was two feet because I was just in there. Yeah. So so that's why for me, I felt blindsided because if if she did feel that way and I would never tell somebody how to feel yeah. like if you truly feel that way, that's perfectly fine. But I feel like you can at least communicate. Yeah. At least tell me something. Give me a heads up. And when I saw your reaction on the um reunion show i'm trying not to get teary eyed i don't know why this hitting me right now is because it's something about watching a man cry like i cried with you like honestly i shed tears with you because oftentimes we don't see men um invested in their marriage like that we don't get a chance to see that and men we will go through a divorce we could we'll go through some of the most painful things ever get your arm amputated and just like, i ain't finna cry i'm good you know what i'm saying <laughs> and you begin you cried and you said i can't believe this whole time i started i'm wild i'm crying now and i felt it because i've been there i've cried many tears and i cried with you in that moment because i saw a man who was totally 1000% invested in his marriage. And you said, these people acting like this is some game or something like this is my marriage. We're talking about. I was like, I feel you Gil, because that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Like uh, this whole process of me going through this whole healing on this podcast, 
and the letters, like you said, you wrote your vows. I write a vow every episode. I literally write a letter to my future wifey and put it in this box every episode. And if you think I'm going to take marriage lightly this go around, you're sadly mistaken. It's to death do us part. And when I saw you go through that and you were sitting in the, in the, in the, uh, in the green room and you were like, wow, like, I can't believe this. I felt it. I, I was connected to your heart. I was connected to your authenticity. I was connected from a man to a man and understood the gravity and the weight uh, that you were experiencing at that moment. Was there opportunities while y'all were married that y'all went through counseling off camera? Um, no, 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 no. The only counseling off camera? No, absolutely not. The only counseling we got was on camera when the experts uh, came and saw us, but we didn't do it. I mean, it was after the fact. That's what I'm saying, afterwards. Oh, yes. We, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Well, sorry, then. Uh, yes, we had that one session. We went to a, a therapist, a, a relationship therapist. and But, I mean, it was just more of, um, okay, so how you feeling? And what's your goal for this marriage? And how I'm feeling? What's my goal? And we just, our goals didn't, didn't connect. Our goals was completely they were going opposite ways. So, you know, the therapist was just like, you know, the problem is y'all don't have the same goals. So it's, it's kind of hard to help y'all trying to reconcile or trying to see, you know, one side to another when y'all don't want the same things. Yeah. And so that's when we decided, all right, well, let's just go separately. And if we feel like possibly let's do it again together, then we would do that. But that that moment never came. And so, you know, I went my way she went her way and i continued on with therapy and here we are so you're you you continued going on in therapy um and you you touched on this at the very beginning where you said you didn't want to uh revisit past mistakes um what made you decide to stay with that therapist even though y'all started off um as a husband and wife going to this you said i'm gonna go ahead and take this journey personally what made you continue what connected you to that so before i get to that i would say i didn't want to go to therapy i didn't really care for therapy i'm like most men whatever yeah. like well, i'm gonna be telling some stranger <laughs> my, my business like what they gonna do what they, they gonna do yeah they're just gonna sit there and write a little notepad and <laughs> i don't know what they doodling or whatever but <laughs> but what so what i did is i went you know, I went to like four or five sessions um, by myself, but my headspace wasn't in the right place. I was completely just thrown off. I was, I was very, I was depressed. I would yeah. say I was a hundred percent depressed. Yeah. So everything she was saying wasn't filtering. Like it was just, it was getting blocked, and my thoughts were just everywhere. So after the first five sessions, you know, I decided I was done. You know, and you know, my therapist, she's a straight shooter. And I, I respect anybody that's going to be very frank and straight with me. She said, you done? I said, yeah, I'm done. She was like, all right, I'm not going to convince you. If you want to be done, you done. It's your money. So I was like, done. All right. So I left. So, but um, over a month, a month's time has passed and I thought about it. I was like, you know what? I didn't even give this lady the opportunity to do her job. Like I didn't give therapy a chance. There's a reason why a lot of people go to therapy. It, it, it works, you know, whether it's my fault or whether she's not the right therapist. Let's give her a shot, another shot, a legit shot, and then go from there. So I called her, I emailed her, set up an appointment, and it was great. That first session was was awesome. You know, I gave it a shot. I love how straight she was. She she didn't sugarcoat anything. She 
told it like it was, and I just loved it. And so ever since then, I started going every two weeks, started to feel better, started to implement the things that the exercisers that she told me to do. Um, and one thing I do, um, I personally do, is I record all our sessions. And I go back and listen to them. Good. And good. so I reflect on everything because obviously it's like it's like taking notes in class, yes. right? Sometimes you miss stuff. Yes. So I just record. I record it. I, re, and I just listen over and over and over. And there's some things that she hits on that I'm like, ah, I forgot about that. And so, you know, those aha moments. And I do it. I do it up till now currently. So, Yeah. When I tell you hats off to you, bruh, that's when you become intentional about your healing, man. You say, I record it, and I play it back, I listen. That's what I do with my podcast. I record it, I play it back, I listen. I see how I show up in these moments. People say, hey, the Latiris in 2020 is different from the one I see in 2021. This, I, I hear you talking different. You seem different, all this. And I was like, y'all literally watching me go through therapy. Like, I tell the truth on this podcast. Uh, one thing that you told me that I, I want to give uh, props to uh, maths is that you said that they cover your first, what, six sessions? Yeah, so the cool thing about Married at First Sight is that after, you know, decision day, um, they will cover everybody's, um, all the all the participants, all the cast, uh, first six sessions, four or six sessions, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on that, uh, therapy sessions, whether it's couples therapy or singles therapy. So um, those are the ones I took advantage of that I actually didn't take advantage of because it was a waste for me because yeah, I didn't give it no shot. Yeah, numb. yes, sir. And and I have to give the uh, the show credit for that because it's not like they take you through this this experiment and be like, all right, well, y'all, you're on your you own. You own. Hope you get healed. All right, next ne next cast members for next season. Nah, they make sure they make sure to take care of you because they they understand that it can it can be mentally tough for a lot of people. And I respected that a whole lot. Um, one thing that you were talking about earlier was, uh, well, earlier in the day when we met for lunch is the trauma as you went to, as you went through therapy, it started uncovering unhealed trauma, uh, in your teenage years. Would you like to uh, touch on that? Okay. So like I was telling you, like I, I've never done therapy and I should have done therapy a long time ago, especially with my dad's situation. My dad passed away. Everybody that watches the show uh, knows that my dad was murdered in a home invasion and I was in the home when it happened. You know, I was laying on the couch and they kicked the door in. They walked right past me on the couch and they went towards my dad's room <clears throat> and shot at the door. Uh, and he got shot like twice. I think, I think it was twice um, on his neck and they ran off while I was still laying on the couch. And so I, you know, I, at the house 14, when that happened, you know, I ran into the room to check on his, at that time, his girlfriend and a baby, cause he had a one-year-old and, and his girlfriend, but she was in the closet. So when I went into, when I heard the baby screaming, I went into the closet to see if they were okay, they were fine. Saw my dad, he was in the restroom, um, grabbed the towel, put it on his neck. So that's when I realized he was shot. Cause I didn't know he was shot until he got the towel and put it on his neck. So at that time, I had got to the phone, called 911. Then my dad came to the bed. He sat down and just laid back with the towel on his neck. He was still alive, though. Um, called 911, just waited on him to come. They picked us up, took us to the um, hospital. And like 20, 30 minutes later, <clears throat> doctor came down and was like, you know, uh, sorry, but your dad didn't make it. You know, I was, I honestly, to tell you the truth, I was like, I was quiet for like 10 seconds. And I was like, okay. It's like I couldn't, I didn't process it. 
for me, it just didn't really register that my dad had passed away. Like, I knew he passed away, but it was like, okay. And it was very strange that I felt that way. I, you know, that ha if, I if I'm not mistaken, that happened like on a Friday. I went to school back on a Monday. Um, everybody, teachers, and because it was like, it was, I mean, kind of everybody heard about it. So I had students, friends, and teachers, and their counselors all talking to me like, you're okay. I was like, yeah, I'm good. I was just like, all right, I'm good. You know, even at the funeral, at the wake, I mean, at the wake, um, I went, you know, everybody walks up, sees the body. I, I walked up to the body. I just looked at it, and I was just, I started laughing. It's crazy, right? I can remember my, I just started laughing. I mean, it's just, it was. Yeah. I don't understand it. Obviously, I'm talking to my therapist since. That's just a coping mechanism. Yeah. But at that age, I didn't understand what was going on. Um, and honestly, it didn't really hit me until I was like 18. When I started doing the emotions that I started thinking about it, I started wondering why and, you know, I don't have a dad. And, you know, because he was a big part of my life and he was big on certain things in my life. And so now I had to do a lot of these things by myself and kind of like get self-taught with it because my mom, she did her best, but you know, moms play their role, dads play their role as well. And so that's when the emotion started. So how I should have been feeling when I, when it happened at 14, I didn't feel it till like 18. And so, um, I definitely should have been in therapy for that, but my mom doesn't know about therapy, you know, she didn't have no money for therapy nope. at that time. That that we didn't know about resources where you yep. can get free therapy. So it was one of those learning experiences that you know that I I just didn't take advantage of as a kid. But now, where I'm at now, I'm pretty sure there's people that's maybe similar. You know, has has had similar traumas, and so it's never too late. Is basically what I'm trying to say. Like, even if it happened, mine's happened 20 years ago, 21 years ago, um, actually 22 years ago. And, mm. you know, I'm just now hitting it in therapy. You can do it. Anybody else could do it as well. You know, and it can it can play a big role in who you are now. You can understand why you are in certain aspects in your life a certain way. So was it a specific thing at 18 years old? Was it graduation coming up? Was it something that triggered you and set you back to 14 and go, wow, I never processed this? Was it a football game? Was it? Was well, it, it was It was after graduation. It was because I didn't go to college immediately after graduation, after high school, I should say. And so I was like, okay, now what? A man gets his identity from his father. And I, I had this conversation with my son. Um, I adopted uh, my son Armani two years ago. And, and he is funny because he thinks he understands life. He's like, I'm finna, I'm finna leave and I'm finna go do it. I said, son, you need me for direction. i like, you think you know right now. At least wait till you graduate and we can have a conversation <laughs> about the next direction. Well, I, can, I can figure it out, son. You want to you you want the benefit of me right you now. You definitely want that GPS. It's like really. You like, definitely want that. <laughs> and he was like, "Well, I can." I said, "Son, you don't even know what you don't know." That's exactly. You don't even know what you don't know. So sit back. And so I'm glad that you talked about that. As, and, and first of all, thank you for sharing that. Is the fact that you graduated and you said, "Now what? How do I step into this 
this manhood. And, and we're so trained. I don't know if they do this in other communities, but in the African-American community, and I know you Colombian, so you identify as African-American and Latin and Latin, you know, the best of both worlds. And so you said, you know, in our culture, it's like when you get 18, you leave the house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, y'all taught that in your culture? So it's a little different. No. So um, in, the, in, the, in the Latin or Hispanic culture, most of them, they stay in the house until they get married. So they can be, it, it'll just switch, roles will switch. So, you know, your parents take care of you. And then as you get older, you take care of them. Y'all just stay in the same house. So that's how it is in the Latin culture. So um, my parents are very, are very Latin. So very in, that, in that sense, very traditional in that sense. So that's how it kind of goes. But since I didn't have my dad around, it was just me and my mom. And my mom, she, you know, she did her best, but I wanted to help her out. I didn't want yeah. her to have to struggle. So that's why I didn't go to college right after high school. So I, I could work. Right. And then it took me like a year, about a year and a half until I went back to college. And so in your community, you begin to take care of your, your parents until when? Until you get married? And you said that, uh, but what age did you decide to move out? I didn't move out. So, again, I stayed to, with my mom until 21. And then I moved out and got my own apartment. But then she moved in with me. Oh, Okay. Yeah. So that is like defeat the purpose, mom. Yeah, Here you exactly. Go. <laughs> so she moved in with me, and then at 23, I bought my first house, and then she moved in with me in my first house. <laughs> and so, so even when I, so, oh no, 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 she didn't live. Okay, she didn't live with me when I was living with my girlfriend. So she had moved out. She had she went went back to Columbia by that time. But so so that's why I say like the roles switch. So yeah. because I was basically now. Not taking care of her because she was still she could still take care yeah. of herself, but she didn't have to worry about rent yeah. or nothing. She had a room, you know, she had a place and all of that. And I mean, that, I had somebody to cook for me all the exactly. time because mom was cooking is mom was cooking, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I could cook, but if you got mom like to cook, exactly. Yeah. So that's um. So then my mom didn't leave until I was when I was twenty eight. My mom went back home to Columbia to take care of her mother, that was um, obviously getting older. And so at 28 is when I, yeah, when I was like, I guess you could say I was completely, no, 27. I was completely um, mama free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said mama free. Man, everybody talks about how great your relationship is with your mom and how much of a support she is. Um, where did that come from? Is that just a typical mom and son relationship or is it because y'all have weathered through some storms and stuff? Uh, especially with the uh, the loss of your father and all that, where y'all bonded together because y'all endured a lot of hardship. Um, yeah, I guess mainly is because my mom's always had my back. Like she's been there for everything, and she's been very. She's let me do some things that she shouldn't have let me done. <laughs> you know, like like I got a tongue ring when I was like in the ninth grade. I should have <laughs> never got a tongue ring. Like, there's no, ain't no, I would have slapped myself now to get a tongue ring. So, like, she let me do that. And I was like, so things like that. Like, my mom was very, she let me fail. Yeah. Because she knew, that's just a face. He ain't going to like it later. And so, but she wouldn't let me, like, fall over the edge, right? Yeah. She will just let me get right close enough to the edge. <laughs> and then she will know that I'd eventually come back. And But we had a great relationship because she was very nurturing and very supportive. 
with a lot of the stuff um, that I've done in the past. And she did her best to try to try to provide for me what she could and what she could do. And so I told myself that, you know, I got to I got to get back, you know. Anyway, I mean, we all want to do that, right? Yeah, we all, all want to retire our parents. We I, all want to buy them I did that, that house, my mama, yep. that car. So it's it's just one of those things that um, I'm just thankful for her for everything she's done because I know she struggled being that she's this is not her. Uh, she's not from here. She barely speaks English. She speaks it, but it's all broken up. <laughs> so you know, she speaks like in in hands. You know, when she says, she's like chicken. I want chicken. <laughs> So people can understand her and stuff like that. So it's like I, I appreciate all those efforts that she did. And so it's me just giving back. Your mama wins charades, huh? Yeah, oh, she she good at that. How did your mom take the divorce? She took it way better than I did, I'll tell you that. So she she um she was sad because I was sad. Yeah. But she was like, she looked at it in a bigger picture. She's, she's like, um, I said this on my live, she's a Christian. My mom, yeah. so her thing is God first, right? And so her thing, she will always be like, you know, it's all in God's timing. You know, for some reason it didn't work out. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, but God knows what he's doing. So you, you got to keep faith. But obviously when you're going through that, you ain't trying to hear that. You ain't trying to hear yeah, I'm like, mom. I'm gonna need something else. You, you, yeah, uh, this is a broken record. Like, you've been saying this yeah, my whole life. Yeah, come on now. This ain't, hey, I'm still depressed over here. This is not doing it. So, um, but, but that's, she stuck with that. She stuck with that always, always, always. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't talk to her for a little bit because I just didn't want to hear it. You know, I used to, I, I would call my mom maybe twice. No, nah, once a week. I'm not going to say yeah. twice a week. But I'd call her once a week. Um, but I, I, I was calling her like once every three weeks. Mm -hmm. Because I already knew what she was going to say. And it's just, I I knew she was right. But I just didn't want to hear it. Yes. So that's what it was. But she took it better than, for sure she took it better than me. She was very sad because she knew I was sad. Mm -hmm. She wants me to be happy. She obviously wants me to be married. She wants grandkids from my side because I have a sister and she has grandkids from that, her side but she definitely wants me to have a kid or, or two but um but she was more encouraging to the fact that you know everything will be all right and things happen for a reason so don't 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 dwell on it too much you was talking about uh I heard you on your first live um and before we talk about that I was looking for you on Instagram and your page just didn't come up at all we discussed you went from 400 followers to how many now? So I went from 458 followers because I took a screenshot of it because we had to stay public or sorry, stay private throughout the entire filming. And actually, while they aired the show, we couldn't go public until the last episode aired and it was done. Right. Yeah. So that was the day before Thanksgiving, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Yeah. So um, so then I went public. So I had 458 455 around there and in about two to five minutes I had 7,000 followers and then where I'm I and then in two weeks from that time that I went uh private to public two weeks I reached 100,000 followers so it was it was what were you thinking man I'm it was about crazy you seeing your pages take off from 400 to 104 I think it's like what 104 now something like that it's a hundred and something thousand. Yeah, it's a hundred and something thousand now. I think 104, 105. Yeah. Yeah. What in the world did you think when you saw that? Like, what in the world just happened? 
I honestly didn't think. I thought, okay, I'm on TV. It's on Lifetime. People will see it. I'm gonna get a good forty to fifty. Yeah, which is about. I thought I was some gonna people get that. That's what I thought I was gonna cap cap out at. On like a good, this, on a good day. Yeah, and <laughs> this hundred, I don't know where this came from. Like <laughs> for me, it's like, man, that's crazy. Like all these people want to follow me. Like I would. I'm literally. I feel like I'm an average person. And I was just being myself on the show. Like, I didn't do anything. I'm not out here. I'm, like, I'm not dunking no ball or nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm not scoring no touchdown. I'm just, I'm just, I just want my marriage to work. <laughs> y'all y'all want to follow a guy that just want his marriage to work? Deal, because that's so rare. Do you not realize it's so rare to see a man want his marriage to work? That's and, crazy. And the thing about, and that's what's so sad, it's sad it's so sad, to be honest with you. It's extremely sad. It's quite it's depressing, crazy. to be honest with you. But the reality is, is that people are like, wow, this man wants marriage. I'm telling you, the reason why this podcast has grown like it has in a year and a half is because they hear a guy literally talk about marriage. Men don't, come on, you, how often do you sit around with your homeboys and be like, yeah, man, when I get married one day, I'm going to go. We don't talk about, maybe in my culture. In your culture, no, y'all talk no, about marriage? No, okay, I'm just trying don't. to make sure. Dudes ain't sitting around talking about what they want to do with their wife when they get married. They just don't <laughs> think like that. We're talking about which girl we smashed yesterday and who we're going to smash today and who we're going to smash tomorrow. That's all we care about. But you hear a guy says, listen, Listen, I want to first of all, you see a guy whose uh, wife isn't trying to give him none and he's patient and he's serving her and he's still catering to her needs. Like we scratching our heads like, what? Where did they make this do that? <laughs> then, then, then you have this guy that's sitting up here heartbroken when the marriage doesn't go right and the marriage ends and dissolves. And it's like. Why does he care? Do you know how I many women he's, he can have now? Like, this is the greatest thing that could have ever happened to you. Now you have your pick of the litter. You have a hundred and something thousand women to choose from. Most guys and everybody be like, why are you crying? And you heard Kevin talk about all the time. Oh, Gil, you're going to be okay. Oh, you're yeah. going to be okay. He definitely hey, said that. You're certainly <laughs> going to be okay. It's <laughs> the reason why he said that is because you're a unicorn. You're rare. You said something profound uh, earlier today. You said that when women, you said women ask you what question, and you say that the, most of the time they're not giving that guy a shot. Oh, um, yeah. <sighs> yes. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So most women that slide in my DMs or just being, not even sliding in my DMs, they just send me a, a compliment. You know, hey, sorry, or support. You know, sorry for what happened. You're a great guy. I can't wait to meet Mike Gill. And I get that a lot. Can't wait to meet my gill. Wish it was a gill in this state. Wish they had gills here. And all the time, I tell them, I guarantee you, you already met them. You just curved them. Because I've been curved so many times. And I've had girls in my DMs that curved me in the past come back. that are now in my DMs. <laughs> and so, it, but they didn't give me a shot. But since they saw me on the show, they saw who I truly am. Now it's like, oh. I should have gave him a shot. And so that's why I tell women, like, you pro I'm not saying you did. But you probably. You probably did. You probably already curved him because you didn't give him a shot because he was probably too nice. Yeah. Or he, he had something that was just a little – it wasn't a deal breaker. It was just something that you – oh, he 5'9". Yeah. You know, because that's a big one, right? Yeah. Height. I uh, mean, hey, I get hey, it. Gil, we hey, all hey, have hey, our hey, preference. Hey, Gil, a little tap. I'm 5'9 now. <laughs> nah, that was My offensive. bad. 5'8". Five okay, 5'8". Five okay, good. 5'8". Good. I, cut, I, know, I, got I understand off. we all have preferences. Man, I prefer red velvet. But if you put <laughs> vanilla cake in front of me, I'm going to still eat it. You know what I mean? It's cool to have preferences, but 
it's okay to kind of dabble in somewhere else too. Yes. So I tell them all the time, I, I guarantee you already curved them. You know, that's good. I did an episode first season called Preference Versus Purpose. And so I always talk about, I don't want to be so distracted by my preferences that I overlook the purpose. That exactly. God brings me somebody that's in my life that I go, oh my God, this person is absolutely amazing. It's everything I've ever dreamed of, but they're not packaged in the way that I want it. Ah, let me bypass that and then go keep looking. And I'm, I'm looking for preference. And preference, uh, one of my guests said, if you really break down what preference is, it's based on lust. Because because that's all it is. Because Absolutely. at the end of the day, if we're talking about for better or for worse, through sickness and in health, the uh, for richer or for poor, we talk about all that. That has nothing to do with that other stuff. Because that means that the minute that my preference in you changes, then I should be able to get a divorce. If if we're married and you decide to gain a little bit of weight, and I'm like, see, I kind of like a woman that's a size whatever. I don't want to be with you no more. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? That's it don't exactly make sense. right. We go through, we get sick or whatever. I wanted a, I wanted a husband that I didn't have to push around the wheelchair i don't want you anymore you know and it should be based on the purpose of why you guys are together but you hit the nail on the head that yeah you probably met a gill before but you probably curved him because he was a good guy you hear everybody talking about this sierra prayer and all that but <laughs> it's so crazy how most people think that the you know russell wilson they always they say he was corny He's yeah. corny. He's yeah. corny. And it's like, what makes him corny? That he loves his wife? Like, I can't find anything corny about him. Do you, do you find something corny? that Absolutely women? not. It's just it's just the, the day and age we live in because he's not out here popping bottles. He's not out here throwing money in the clubs. And he's just he's just a Christian guy that plays really good at sports and loves his wife. You know, and apparently that's corny. I mean, that's what I want. You know, that's exactly what I want. So, um, exactly, it's, it's 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 crazy the day and age we live we live today. And you know, I, I guess social media has a lot to do with it. People get influenced by the bad things. Yes. Um, and or the things that's not important. You know, they 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 don't really have a preference. Their preference is everybody else's preference. Mm. You know, and so that's the issue they oh, get. Oh, stop! You can't just run past that again. <laughs> oh, you can't run past that. Rewind that back. You said they don't have a preference. Their preference is what? Everybody else's preference. Well, when I tell you, we are so persuaded by what other people think and not realizing if you had what other people thought they wanted for themselves, you'd be destroyed in it. Completely. You'll be destroyed. If you got what you thought of and what you don't realize what the other people have, they don't really want what they have. They kind of want what you have. That's exactly and you're right. Like, I wish I, I wish I had that. That very thing will destroy you. It will destroy you, which was interesting because even on the show, uh, they were talking about, who, you know, if we were switch up some couples, you know, who would we switch up? And you like, let me get it. I, I ain't got time for all this. <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not. A, I wasn't a fan of that question. Um, I, I felt like it was a little disrespectful because I don't like I said, I hold marriage very highly <clears throat> and I'm not about to play like musical chairs with wives. And it's like that's not something. Teach. I don't. I don't want. I don't. I don't want to be a part of that. Like, if that's y'all want to do that, that's cool. Just leave me out of it because mm. I can't. My this is my wife. This is the only person. This is the person they put in front of me. This is the only person I was gonna work hard for. I would. I'm not over here. Oh, you know what? I could have been better with this person. And I. I don't care about that person. I'm invested with this person. And this is the only person I see. Everybody else is just there. You know, they're just an acquaintance. They're they're, they're just a colleague, and that's how I see them. So for me. Um, I, it was disrespectful to me. I don't know. Everybody else probably didn't take it that way, but that's because we look at marriage differently. And you wonder why you got 104,000 people. 
You wonder? You wonder, Gil? You wonder? Now, you're a very intelligent guy, but you, you got to figure this out. You know, do you realize, bro? So we, we talked earlier today. What does your DMs look like? Well, I finally caught up with all my DMs, mm-hmm. so I'm finally done. Just finished, like, about three, four days ago. So um, they're still full, though. I get about anywhere from 20 to 40 a day. Um, so, Chaz, what kind, of, what kind of stuff you get? We, we, we talked oh, about this. What kind, of, what kind of interesting things slide <laughs> in your DM? I get this very wholesome mm-hmm. to the not so wholesome. And, and let's talk about this not so wholesome <laughs> stuff that slides on in there. What kind of images uh, comes through? Oh man, we that's what we talk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I get not so wholesome. Yeah, uh, I get some explicit exactly. content for sure. I get some explicit content, and I'm I'm very surprised that people can be that bold. Um, and 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 also with the things that they say is right. pretty bold. So it's funny because all I heard, I, all I always hear is how thirsty men can be. Right. You know, I'm I'm like, you know, because I've heard, I've heard, yeah, I know friends, I have female friends that have their DMs always popping also. And they, and they getting, those, they getting them, out of this stuff. They getting and, those yes. picks. And, um, but uh, surprise, surprise, women can be just as thirsty. Exactly. They're a little dehydrated too. And so <laughs> <laughs> they out here, <laughs> they out here doing their thing too. So I'm, I'm very surprised of what, I, what I've been getting in my DMs. One thing that I loved on your live, you said, listen, I'm not looking to be in a relationship right now. I'm trying to get healed. Let me heal first. Let me heal first. Um, and I said, he gets it. He, he gets it. He understands the assignment. He knows that because you care so much about yourself, and one thing you said earlier that I, want, I don't want to just skate by it, is that you said that you cared about her. And that her can transcend whether the name changes from your ex-wife to the next woman or whatever. I care about the her. I care about I care about her enough to say, listen, what is her needs? And so you said, if I can't become the best version of myself, if I don't get healed, then I am going to be giving myself to this other person. And it would be, I would actually destroy them in the process. And so that's what's so beautiful about all that. Um, you said you're therapist asked you when will you be ready to date again and what would and what, what would your answer um i told her it sounds cliche but i'll be ready when i'm ready and she said that makes perfect sense you know i can't i can't say i have to feel a certain way or you know i can't say i can't put a date on it it's just i know when i'm ready i'll be ready because as we all know hurt people hurt people right and so I'm I'm hurt right now, and I don't want to drown somebody else. Yeah. So my thing is, let me fully heal. I know when I'll be fully healed. I know when I'll be ready because I know because I'll be willing to give it my all without thinking about what happened. And and you know, because my biggest fear was was going into my next relationship, uh, fearing that the past could haunt me. Yes. And so I know I'm going to be healed. I know when I'm healed, when that's not even a thought. Mm. When it's just I'm going into it blank slate, giving this person 100% my trust and a chance of making it all right. Do you want marriage again? Absolutely. 
the goal is still the same. Marriage, kids, white picket fence. But it just ain't going to be at first sight. It, it <laughs> definitely will not be at first sight. <laughs> That's a guarantee. <laughs> Gil, let me tell you something, man. Thank you for showing up. Uh, just authentic, man. Um, I love the trajectory that you're on. I, I see it. It's so crystal clear. Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't end this episode praying for our brothers. Um, I want to pray. I'm going to start off praying. Are you comfortable with praying in public? So, no, I would say. Because, honestly, it's because I pray in Spanish. So? No, but like, <laughs> you praying Spanish? What's yeah, that I'm so used. To, it's so funny because I, I, it's, it's so funny. I read the Bible in English, but I always went to church in Spanish, Spanish church. So I pray in Spanish. It's so weird. It's it's kind of dope. I, it's crazy. I, I know. I, I read it in English, but I pray in Spanish. It's 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 just something that how I grew up and it stuck with me. Well, can you do that? <laughs> That'll be dope. I'm going to do it in English. I just want to pray for our brother. You can make it as short as possible. It could be 10 seconds. It all right. All right. Let's but see. I'm going to pray for my brothers. All right. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Lord, we thank you for the transparency that Gil has had on this on this podcast. Lord, you know the assignment. You know that this that this date that this was recorded, 1212, the number 12 represents covenant. 121221, uh, God, the number 21 stands for restoration. And we thank you right now for just the provision that you've made and you've orchestrated for this day to take place. Lord, I ask that this episode heals the hearts and the minds of brothers that are suffering in silence, that have withdrawn from their spouses, that have withdrawn from their girlfriends, that's maybe even just withdrawn from their families and friends where they're just suffering in silence and they feel like you don't hear them. They feel like they're not being understood. But God, we ask that you touch their heart right now in the name of Jesus and you point them to therapy, that they actually submit themselves to, uh, to therapy and, and do the work and do the work so that they can become better. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. Gil? See, how am I supposed to follow that? Just play in Spanish. <laughs> just, just do it. It could be so short. So All short. right. Um, Dios Padre, te pido que por favor... Eh, sana el corazón de todos nuestros hermanos y hermanas sabiendo que todos, todos somos capaces de amar y algún día encontraremos el, nuestro amor Amen. Thank you so much See, I understood what you said Yeah, I bet you did I said, I, uh, you said, amen I heard that part I heard that part. But, Gil, thank you for participating in that. Listen, man, uh, what can people look forward to in the future? I know you got a lot of stuff swirling. Uh, we got a homie, Paria, like Aria, over there. Yeah. And, uh, so she in the work behind the scenes doing her magic. So, yeah, I got my peoples. I can yeah. say I got peoples now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're doing their thing. Um, I mean, I got some things in the works. You know, I, I don't want to talk too much on it because right. it's still in the works. Right. But hopefully some more podcasts. You know, I know a lot of people want to hear me talk, which is weird, but <laughs> hey, I like to talk, so that's cool. I'll do it. Why you say it's weird? I mean, because it's just my opinions, right? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know people really care about my opinions like that. I mean, but hey, if you want to hear it, I'll say it. So, so yeah, I'm looking, uh, looking to do some more podcasts and hopefully, you know, touch some more people and let them know that, uh, oh, and I definitely I want people to follow my journey, you know, because... Yes. I want, I want, as much as they want to see me win, I want to win. Yes. So we're going to win together. Yes. We're going to win together. So uh, would you even be interested in having your own podcast? <sighs> nah, I don't think so. You I, I got too much that? on my plate right now. I don't <laughs> think I, I can add something else. I still got school. I'm still going to school. So, I forgot yeah. you're still in school. Yeah, so you got to tell the people about that. You're in school right now. 
Yeah, still, I'm currently in paramedic, in a paramedic program. I got about, I'm halfway through. So still doing that because um, I'm still a firefighter. I still got my day job, and I don't plan on leaving it anytime soon. There's nothing that make the women go after you. A whole firefighter out here. Yeah, so. they they want so they want a calendar. That. I don't know why they want me. They want a whole calendar. <laughs> they want a calendar of me of every month. They want me to be every month, and so I'm like, that's selfish, man. It's other it's other brothers and sisters in the fire department. So, uh, but oh yeah, God. I still got my day job and still going to school. So um, I'm I'm trying to. Juggle everything, but uh, but it's it's cool, man. I'm having fun with it. I love it, man. Listen, I thank you so much for uh, being you, bro. Keep doing what you're doing. I love that you represented the culture very well. Um, thank you. Thank we, you. we we live in this day and age where uh, the African American man may be looked at as savages or whatever, and you represented yourself so beautifully, and that's what I identify with. I said, see. He did well. He did a great job. And so I always want to salute my brethren and uh, give you your flowers right now because I identify with you and I was so proud about how you represented your family uh, and shows that you got some good upbringing. And uh, shout out to your moms uh, because she did a great job with you. Appreciate and, uh, that. Thank you for being on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Y'all give it up for Gil Cuero. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. It was a blast. Love thank it. you, bro. You've asked. We're delivering the first ever meetup event for Dear Future Wife, a Valentine's soiree for singles, Saturday, February the 12th, 2022, Dallas, Texas. Get your tickets at selflovesoiree.com. Proceeds benefit Kingdom Royale. Ladarian, thrusted suddenly into Child Protective Services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy, with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted, yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally, Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. 
Though the Young Kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm LaTaris R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. Words can express the gratitude that I have in my heart right now just on the sheer um, intentionality that God had in orchestrating this episode. I mean, Gil was amazing. Um, it was so intentional for this season in my life to talk to this brother um, as I stated earlier in the episode of how that is interconnected to my journey, his age, his, this date, just, just everything. But even more so two days ago, I got my wisdom teeth removed, my bottom uh, wisdom teeth. And, you know, I was like, I told the dentist, I said, listen, I have an interview on Sunday. And so I want to make sure that I'm, like he's like, uh, <laughs> if you're able to do this interview on Sunday, that would be a miracle because I told you to expect to be down for about five days at least. And four hours after doing, after going through that surgery, I was up and at him again. I was talking. My face wasn't swollen at all. And so I knew that even in that, that guy wanted to make sure that I was present and he was covering me in every minute detail. So I thank God for that. Here's my favorite part of the podcast where I speak to my future wifey. Dear future wifey, wow, this journey to you is quite exhilarating. The intentionality the Lord has about healing every intricate detail about my brokenness is humbling to say the least. He has interwoven various friends, acquaintances, and even strangers to aid in my discovering, uncovering, and recovering love. You 
are worth all of this work. He's laying the foundation with my blood, sweat, and tears to build something so solid for our marriage to withstand the test of times. You have no idea how special you are to me. The spiritual and emotional fortitude being built independently of each other will become fortified with our I do. Your presence will be my daily present. I will unwrap with hugs and kisses and words of affirmation to prevent me from ever taking the gift of you for granted. You are my do-over, my gracious chance to get love right, my hope in being a hopeful romantic. You are an undeserving blessing, and I will honor you all the days of my life. I love you, your future hubby. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.